Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 136. Today's show is brought to you by Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach clinic in Eugene, Oregon. We demonstrate, by example, that healthcare really is a human right. You can contact us at occupy-medical.org. And get healthy now with Candace. Get healthy now with Candace, formerly Candace Hunter Creations, connecting people with plants to transform lives. Wow. Find Candace at candacehunter.com. Sierra Lupe Consulting. Sierra Lupe Consulting is a, a great place to find help with uh, with existing conditions. And it's we're going to talk about how we kind of have a balanced care between the two of us, Candice. We do, actually. So yours is you I, do a my, lot of preventative. Yep, and- my focus is strongly on prevention and then helping folks deal with particularly chronic infl- inflammatory digestive issues. Right. So when the prevention didn't quite kick in soon enough. Then you call Sue. Yeah. yeah I'm then, the mop-up crew. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, Candace and Patrick have really encouraged me to open up my time and energy to offer the kind of things that I offer at Occupy Medical, but to the greater community. So you can find those links at Sue Sierra Lupe Facebook page. And we also have, uh, I don't know, we have it somewhere else too. It'll be great to find out when that happens. Yes, yes. And I was going to say, you know, you should watch, keep an eye out on Facebook for when we have consulting openings. Like I know I've got one coming up soon and I need to get it out on Facebook in case somebody's out there who wants to fill it. Will we be putting that on the Practical Herbalist page too, do you think, or just on our pages? Um, I don't know. I throw it up on my stream when it happens. All right. So please Facebook uh, friend us. I have a a page where you don't even have to be a Facebook friend, but it's just like a public figure kind of page, uh, which on my own page is mostly like, I don't know, plant ID stuff and family stuff. And then that other page is all about herbs. And, uh, so look for that. So Thank yeah, you. Check it out. All right. The Ace High Heat Graphics. If you are looking for a great fundraiser, call them. You, they, can, they can do shirts for as little as five and a quarter a piece. So if you're looking to raise funds for a nonprofit, your school, or your team, check them out. AceHighHeatGraphics.com. And the Herbal Nerd Society. The Herbal Nerd Society is a collection of amazing herbal nerds. Yes. So it's uh, like a buy-in club, exclusive member club that is through the Practical Herbalist. And we also talk about things, you know, we'll kind of mosh up stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, Real Herbalism Radio. And it's only $4.99 a month and you're paying in three-month chunks. It's very inexpensive. And we handle the topics Every month we have a new herb that we're yep. dealing with. And that is the way that we, that both Candace and I have always said, we like new herbalists or experienced herbalists, please get to know herbalism one at a time as you would friends. It's just much more, it makes a lot more sense. Yep. And people should know that proceeds from the Herbal Nerd Society go toward not only supporting further content for the Herbal Nerd Society, but they also support this podcast. That's correct. So if you're looking for a good way to support us and you don't feel like doing the Podbean sponsorship, sign up for the Herbal Nerd Society. Mm-hmm. Great. There's some great herbal events coming up. In fact, there's one big one um, coming up on May 5th, which will like think will be this friday yes it's yeah. the herb day in veneta right yeah this this saturday may 5th is the third annual herb day and it's in veneta at 87230 central road and there's going to be bands and children's activities and hops is the herb of the year and so we're going to have beer beer garden i hear it's going to be pretty rocking yeah and then there's um, workshops. Both Candace and I are each teaching our individual workshops. Candace is teaching one on poultry yes. care. Yeah, well, actually, it's going to be on working with herbs and poultry. Okay. So yeah, herbs and poultry. Herbs and chickens, herbs and ducks, mm-hmm. what you can do, what you can plant, and um, some techniques for helping when your, herb, when your chickens and your ducks aren't feeling well. Yep. That's a good one. And I'll just be talking about good old-fashioned lemon balm. Yep. <laughs> I went for the simple one. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then we have the um, the Keto Diet 101 with Yaakov Levine on May 9th. Uh, you know anyone yeah, about that? Yeah, that's coming up at the Natural Grocers. It is going to be a really wonderful class from 2 to 3 p.m. where yep, Yaakov will give 
give folks an introduction and understanding in what the keto diet is, and then he'll be available to answer questions. That's yeah. in Eugene, Oregon. It's in Eugene, in Eugene Oregon. Oregon. Yep. He's been a guest of ours several times. He's very, very knowledgeable. He's a health coach, and we hope to have him on our show a couple more times. And if we cross our fingers and everybody nags, send us a message on Facebook, come on, Yaakov, then maybe he'll write us an article too. Oh, that would be nice. Yep. All right. Um, the Traditional Roots Herbal Conference is on May 18th through the 20th. Sue? Yeah, so that is in Portland, 049 Southwest Portland at NUNM. And I think, my goodness, the early bird special is, is closing pretty fast. So get on that one. There's a whole bunch of a great lineup of folks that are going to be teaching classes. I'm teaching two classes. One is on Saturday and one is on Sunday. And um, it's you know, there's a lot, you'll be surrounded with a lot of naturopathic physicians and naturopathic physician students, but it, there's a huge variety of different types of classes to choose. So you don't, you wouldn't feel overwhelmed. And if you want more technical stuff, there's a plethora out there, which I find in some conferences is kind of lacking. So have this diversity of options for folk. It's a really great opportunity. I hope to see y'all there. All right. And then finally, for the last big event for May, is the Wildflower Festival at Mount Pisgah on the 20th. Sue? Yes, that is, it, gosh, it's been going on for easy, well over 20 years, I do think. And they have a vast variety, like an entire um, building full of plant samples, and they're all properly named and beautiful flowers. Some of them are ones that you're like, oh, yeah, that is a flower. Some of the green flowers get overlooked, and you can talk to the botanists there and they have music and they have a uh, plant sale and then they have children's activities and they also have some wonderful food and, and they have uh, wildflower walks as well. So please join them. It's a fundraiser for Mount Pisgah, one of the two uh, throughout the year. The other one is the mushroom festival. So sponsor Mount Pisgah. And if you want, you can just go ahead and become a member. And then that covers your parking pass for Lane County as well as, um, and that's for all Lane County Parks, as well as membership to Mount Pisgah. All right, Candace, I totally forgot about one. What do you got? Yeah, we've actually got Thomas Easley is going to be speaking at the Free Herbalism Project. And the reason we're thrilled about that is that he is the guy in charge of the Journal of Functional Herbalism over published by or in conjunction with mm -hmm. the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine. So if you guys want to get to know Thomas and you're out in the Pacific Northwest area, May 6th, which is a Sunday, would be an awesome time to come out, hear him speak, get to know him a little bit. Better yet, go on over to, I believe the Earl is functionalherbalism.com mm -hmm. or go to the Eclectic School of Herbal Medicine and they've got a link there to get to the journal. Take a look at what he's got going on. Yeah. And he's speaking, there's two herbalists speaking that day. Missy Rolls is also speaking. Yeah. So two, two for the price of nothing. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and with that, on with the show. Some of us jump into gardening as kids, but far more of us find the garden much later along the way. Amid educating, careering, and falling in love, raising a family and building a life, plants sometimes need to shout to get our attention. But once they do... This week, we're talking to Plato, co-founder of Eugene Avant Gardner's poet, musician, and peace officer for Downtown Youth Initiative about transforming, creating, and connecting with plants. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Radio. Welcome to you, Plato. It's really wonderful to have you on our show. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Good job with the synchronized talking just there. <laughs> yeah, we practiced 130-some-odd <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> I had a chance to take a look at your TEDx talk. Sue shared that with me. It was awesome. Thank I, you. I was really was inspiring to hear how you got started with gardening. What was the name of the talk? Because I saw it too, but I can't remember the name. Oh, I wish I could rename it. I have tried. It is called Find Your Farmily with Community Gardens. <laughs> and uh, I truly believe in the sentiment of it all. But I wish it was like changing the world one garden at a time. Because I think that that would be more successful on the, the Google searches. But oh, yeah. Find Your Farmily. 
Farmily, not family, <laughs> right? with community gardens. <laughs> well, we'll make sure we have links to that in our notes so that cool. folks don't have to worry about trying to Google it. <laughs> but yeah, how did you get started? Yeah, so I was a philosophy major in college, and I've always loved books, and I would spend long hours intensely reading and debating philosophy with my fellow students for years. And I lived kind of in a bubble. I mean, I spent most of my time reading books that were written a couple hundred years ago by old dead European guys. And uh, to some extent, that sounds a little heavenly. Sometimes, <laughs> I think, yeah, so to just sort of float out of this world and into that existential place. It can be. It can be lovely. I mean, it took me five and a half years for a four year degree, and uh, there's a very big reason, and that's because I. <laughs> I totally enjoyed the college lifestyle, and I, I would hang out and drink Pabst Blue Ribbon, eat euros, and hacky sack with my afternoons. And so yeah, I, I yeah. wanted to do that for a good chunk of my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very practical, though, is it? No, because then at suddenly I graduate because you can't do it forever, and I had way more uh, credits, I will say, than I needed by the time that I finally graduated. Mm-hmm. And I graduated one month after the Great Recession hit. So there's just (laughs) jobs dropping everywhere, like previously existing jobs. And here I am entering the market. And like, I'm arguably most qualified to talk about what dead philosophers thought of beauty. And it's an economic tumbleweed that goes whirling by. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, surprisingly, you know, the landlord won't take philosophy for rent. I know, know? but I had a really cool landlord at the time. He was this radical guy. He, uh, He grew up with, uh, I don't know the official position, but like more, sorry, Mormon deacons or whatever, they would go door to door and oh, spread elders. the word. The elders. The elders. Right. Yeah. So like he totally grew up in this Mormon tradition mm-hmm. and then rebelled against it, <laughs> but he couldn't help but being kind of a, a preacher himself. Sure. And uh, I met him, here's my landlord at a trailer park and he, uh, we would hacky sack and barbecue and drink Pabst Blue Ribbon. But he also started a garden right on the bike path that was nice. by our trailer park. And he didn't ask for any permission. He just did it. He just did it. Nice. And he got all of us together in the trailer park, who are mostly younger people in their 20s, to help him do this garden and mm-hmm. totally transform my life. My life. Geoff Potter, wherever you are out there, thank you. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him in a while, but he's a good man. And... uh that's how I got involved in, in the gardening was I came back and I, I really was tired of books too. Yeah. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm so sick of reading 400 page obtuse books that I have to read each page five times to kind of understand what it's about or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, philosophy is really dense. And it's dense and it's a lot of what you were reading was a whole different world. Yeah. Maybe like five different worlds ago. So you have to try to translate through all of that into modern era. And while some things are the same, you know, we all want to be loved. We all still need to eat food and drink water. Mm -hmm. People are still boogers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much that isn't the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The world perspective is really different. And it was so abstract. And and then suddenly I'm out of the ivory tower of college. I'm living in a trailer (laughs) park. And there's no job. So I had to get a job washing dishes, which was really humbling and in, in retrospect, I'm glad I got that job because it took me out of my, oh, I'm so smart, high horse into, <laughs> yeah, you may be able to be like really intelligent and talk about Hegelian dialectics, but you still got to <laughs> wash these dishes at a good pace. And so like I had this dishwashing job. I was rebelling against reading the books. Like I was like, I don't want to go grad school right now. And Geoff Potter, my old landlord was like, well, get involved in the garden, come and hang out, get your hands in the dirt. And nice. I just instantly loved how grounding it is and took my head out of those abstract clouds and into mm-hmm. the day-to-day reality and, you know, working around the bees and the yes. butterflies and stuff. It was just really good for my mental health and I actually had someone ask me not that long ago what that term means, grounding. (laughs) 
So can you really, I mean, honestly, what does that mean? For me, grounding, wow. Wow. It's like getting out of your head and, and that thinking and back into your body and through the earth is a great way of doing it. I still ground to this day. Like maybe my kid is frustrating me or my partner and I are trying to figure out some complicated decision and we're not seeing eye to eye yet. Sometimes to this day, I remember a few months ago, I went out and pulled weeds at like 7 p.m. out of this garden bed. <laughs> I came back 15 minutes later. I was smiling. I was ready to like engage in round two of figuring out this complicated dynamic that we need to figure out. Nice. And so for me, that was that grounding. It mm -hmm. was no, it was out of my head. I was out of my head and back into just the rest of my body and yeah, it's almost mm -hmm. like it wakes up this primal part of yourself that's just been standing there waiting for you to notice all along and says, hey, this is Earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's just all there is. Just this is Earth. Come back to that and then we can move forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love the quietness of it. Yeah. As somebody who works with people and is uh, still predispositioned to doing a lot of abstract thought and being a thinker. I love the fact that it really encourages me uh, through the silence of the plant world to just kind of slow down and mm -hmm. merge with them. Yeah. I can imagine it's probably very inspiring too, because you walk away from that silence and words will form later that would never have formed otherwise. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Plato, you and I met each other, I think, most officially during the Occupy movement. I yeah. was in the first aid tent, and you were doing everything but the first aid tent. <laughs> <laughs> you are kind of like a bead went all over the place. It was pretty amazing. And then next thing I know, there's the Eugene Avant Gardeners going, what, what happened with that? Yeah, that's, that's a great story. I'm glad you asked about that. So... I was involved in a lot and we were doing a lot of protesting because that's what we felt like we needed to do. And I'm still in support of protesting in general. Well, that's um, how democracy works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at some point I just felt like we put all this energy and momentum into a march. We walk around a few blocks and then we go home and we argue a bunch. And I just wanted to see a more practical, pragmatic change. And there was a group of people. I wasn't there for the very first like light bulb lighting up it was by uh, a few people who were sleeping at uh, the camp and mm. uh, it was on christmas eve and they were mm. just like we all share the earth and we all need to eat and it's just like that light bulb mm. and they're like we got to get some people involved so the first meeting was at my house like the first kind of formal meeting of the was, eugene avant yeah, gardeners okay of the eugene avant gardeners was at my house and mm. our intent was like this is another way of going about transforming the world i.e activism in which anybody can participate it was more inclusive which was something i really liked i had read this book around that time called the moral mind why good people fight about politics and religion and i was like really personally hungry for a way to transcend our divisions and bring people back together and they were like we all share the earth and we all eat and i was like absolutely yeah yeah yeah, philosophers of old also shared the earth and ate. Yeah, yeah. I think they'd be pretty impressed with what you're doing. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so what did it look like in the beginning, the the Eugene Avant Gardeners? Was it just like the ragtag book of, you know, people <laughs> that they just want they just want to get their hands in the dirt or they're full of high minded ideas or what well, what was that like? We've always been a mixture of all of that. We've always been a ragtag bunch. Uh -huh. um, this is, We just had our fifth envisioning party, and we're still a ragtag bunch of people. Um, a lot of people that are a part of... a lot. The cool thing about Avant Gardeners is it's a platform designed to really empower the people that choose to participate in it. So it becomes this network and this resource, and we have shared resources, but it's all about where you want to take it. So we've had former vets take Avant Gardening in a much more, you know, maybe mainstream type of way. And we've also had 
off the grid people who have came to Avant Gardner and taken it in a much more radical way. And because we're primarily just focused in uh, creating positive relationships with each other and with the earth, we try our best to make room for all of these different kinds of visions to coexist. And we kind of have this uh, way of being where you get in where you fit in. And so if one group's kind of project or the way that that cluster of avant-gardeners way of being doesn't harmonize deeply with you, well, then it's like you find another group. So we've always been like uh, loosely affiliated clusters of friends. And at the beginning, we actually start out on a pure friendship level, which was really powerful. And I'm going to bring about this because I'll go on a little side tangent, but I think it's very informative and illuminating for how an organization can evolve over the years. So we started out as a very ragtag cluster of people, and that was really beautiful. We accomplished a lot that first year because it was friends, and then friends of friends would want to participate, and we were Mm -hmm. still having barbecues or singing around the fire to bring us all together. And that was really powerful and that worked for about two years. You guys brought starts to Occupy Medical. Yeah, too, we did. We've really given great. out over 10,000 starts. Um, easy. Probably 15,000. Mm-hmm. Like, and how many people, because you guys would also get together and help people that couldn't start their own garden, get it, get it started and help folks that are overwhelmed in their garden, get some weeds out of there and kind of restructure it so it's easier for them. Yeah. I mean, that. can you even like put a... We've, a vague number we've on done that? over a hundred we've done over a hundred um we've slowed down on the work parties at this point for this season um well we've slowed down on that form of the work party mm-hmm. for this season i could right. go into why if you all want me to but yeah we've definitely done a lot of that helping individuals mm-hmm. too along the way we've, so it's gardening it's activism it's community involvement it's it's just plant people going crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's really part of the fun. It's like, what's your vision? What's your trip? Like one time there was two avant-gardeners that were like, I want to do, have us be part of Art Walk. And we're going to celebrate kale at Art Walk. And we're going to have a live kale art making party. <laughs> and we found a, a empty space, real, real estate space downtown. And somebody contacted the owners and we rented it for a night. And it was a part of downtown art walk in Eugene first nice. Friday, but mm-hmm. people could come in and they could paint kale. They could make dye out of kale, hanging kale mobiles. Somebody nice. had like uh, kale armor, kind of like clothes. <laughs> and we just had a big live kale art making party <laughs> and we've only done it once, but that was somebody's passion at some point. Mm-hmm. So we gave it some, uh, some love and, and yeah. organization yeah. behind it. You had educational things too. I went to the thing at, I can't remember what the group is called, but they have a little yurt and y'all had some people there. I, I know I went to it and learned about kale and was asked to talk about Occupy Gardener, Occupy Gardeners, Occupy, <laughs> Occupy Medical at that time as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were walking around with like, I don't know, kale things. All yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, kale is maybe our official mascot plant, uh-huh. and that's because at the very beginning, um, we were asking this kind of permaculture luminary elder of our community, like, "What's our rice for the Lower Willamette Valley?" Like, yeah. what I mean by rice is like, what's that crop that, like, if all if our industrial food system fails, what's your best guess of what would be our subsistence crop? Mm-hmm. And they said kale and. Uh, Kale grows really well here. Y'all are like, I'm not sure. But for some reason, we ran with it. Uh It was fun. It was was also encouraging the rutabaga. But uh, Kale won the popularity contest on the rutabaga. I I could understand that. (laughs) But yeah, we've hosted uh, probably 20 workshops on all different kinds of stuff. Everything from what Sue participated in, which was a little bit more intellectual about community organizing the garden to simple things on like arbor 101 mm-hmm. uh winter nice. planting and seeding spring seeding so a lot of them are very pragmatic practical 
um, we're in talks with this member, loosely affiliated member of our network this year to do like repurposing old junk. We have this guy that sometimes shows up nice. to meetings that like is all about getting pallets and buckets and just like making gardens and raised beds and uh-huh, container nice. beds with all kinds of stuff that society generally discards. So yeah. like, for example, that's one workshop we might roll out in the next few months. That would be good. Yeah, I got a stack of pallets if you want them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah, we also... <laughs> so uh, imagine you guys have seen people's lives transformed as a part of this. Yeah. Then, how? What? Talk about that. I want to hear about that. I've seen street kids come into the avant gardening platform with no knowledge of growing food. And by the end of a season or two, like feel confident that they can run yes. their own garden. That's cool. And that's, that's really profound to me. I've seen people meet their partner at work. Events, you know, and stuff like that is really cute. I've yeah. seen, you know, not as profound, but still equal, maybe equally as profound, just general platonic friendships really form out of gardening. People gain confidence. People uh, have used it to ease their anxiety. You know, it feels good to be able to work towards uh, a positive cause. And at the end of the day, be able to see the difference you have made and look eye to eye with another group of people that feel the same way. And then you don't feel like you're alone and you feel like there's hope in this crazy world. And our little uh, weekly free clinic that we have, it was made such a big difference, especially since the city was looking at us adversely. Um, They're like, oh, free medicine. Hmm, What a bunch of crackpots. And they weren't (laughs) excited about us being there. But when I would come to city council and say another one of the things that we have is one of our companion groups has been bringing on all of these food seedlings, you know, vegetables that people can that are free to give to the public and please, you know, tell people if they want to grow their own food and have a little more stake in food uh, stability then come by and pick up one of your these seedlings one or two or three or four whatever and we had you know children and families and and elderly people that they were very food insecure to come by and pick that up and while they were there then you know our our medical staff would come over and say hey uh, i know she's a little limp do you want to come by and and get some help like oh Oh, I could do that. And it was a real opening, uh, open arms for people. Yeah. You know, so it made a big difference. That's so beautiful because I, I know I personally am very interested in nutrition and food. I also teach cooking classes and mm-hmm. uh, really am passionate about teaching people how to cook with local foods, uh, eat seasonally, like just let's get the packaging out of the equation as much as possible. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, get all those weird synthetic additives that they put in processed foods <laughs> mm-hmm. out of the pictures as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. We actually still give out seed starts. Um, we do at the Whitaker Market. We did it last year. And we have a booth there. Although, I'm going to talk about our booth. But although hearing that makes me want to go back to Occupy Medical. But we really do enjoy being at the Whitaker Community Market because we create this oasis for green thumbs. Mm-hmm. And like people can just hang out and be I'm trying to figure out why my cucumber's not growing or whatever. And they just share information. And we also bring people from the network, bring down plant starts, seeded paper, seed bombs, um, uh, worm castings, uh, dehydrated herbs, like whatever people have that they want to contribute, they bring. And that's this free trading post down at the Whitaker Market. It's a super fun time to hang out. And some people will just come and hang out for an hour with us just for the ambiance. So just hanging out with plant nerds and Mm -hmm. they might drop off a few starts that they have left over and pick up a little bag of worm castings on the way home. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that last year and it was definitely a success. We gave out over a thousand free starts last year at that and we're uh, on plan to do it again this year that's really cool that's one of the things that is more village-like than city-like in my mind so, you know i watch like midsummer murders you know the old the british tv shows and i don't know how realistic that is in terms of what it's actually like to live <laughs> in a village and outside of london or whatever but so, wait 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 i don't know what that is so that's a tv oh, show yeah, about mid- a small town where people kill each other well it's a county Okay. So that it's many towns. And as far as I can tell, it's really quite dangerous to live in the British countryside. I guess, I guess so. You know, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of murders. 
There's a lot of poisonings. Ah. There's a lot of poisonings with natural things like mushrooms, death cap mushrooms were in one episode. Mm -hmm. And um, I think water hemlock was used in another episode. So, I mean, they're really good at using their natural environment to kill each other. Ah, Okay. (laughs) Okay. And we'll not go for that with Eugene Avant-Garde. It seems they're like their primary motives based on Midsummer Murders is estate or hereditary you know, inheriting mm. or lovers quarrels ah. so that seems like the two biggest motivations but either way it's this charming village experience <laughs> and i admit that you know i got this romantic idea of what it must be like to live there which i'm sure is completely wrong like everybody watching hollywood thinks it's great to live in america for all those reasons that mm-hmm. are also not realistic right. yeah well we party on but, my yacht all the time don't we sure. yeah, yeah you know this is you know, very Constantly. you know what's that hawaii 50 here oh, that's, you know? that is exactly yeah, that's it so i but i've had this like i've got that idea in my head and then i look in our cities and in the cities the way that i've grown up i grew up in a large city and grew up in the suburbs and it's very you know you've got your white picket fence and you don't cross it and the yards all look the same. And there's so much distance between us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even in Eugene, which is a much more close community in that respect, I know my neighbors better here, but we all still keep to ourselves. You know, yeah. the sheriff does what he does across the street. We do what we do here. And occasionally we acknowledge each other's presence, but we don't necessarily hang out together. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is that village experience that is my romantic ideal of what life could be like. Yeah, and I would definitely like to talk about this because I'm passionate about this mm-hmm. side of things uh, as yeah. bringing people together. Uh, I garden, I'm going to start off on this tangent, is I garden in my front yard. Nice. And it was just lawn when I started. And uh, I give out stuff from my front yard. I give out plant starts from my front yard. At some point, nice. I'm going to have raised strawberry beds right in the driveway for the kids Yay. walking by. Nice. Um, I I recently worked on a land use campaign um, to help prevent some development in uh, Lower River Road. And it occurred that to me at that point that I knew 21 out of 34 of the houses on my block and was in good friendship with, or good terms, you know, acquaintance. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call them pure friends, but, right, but we're on good terms yeah. and no names and are friendly with each other. 21 out of 34 houses on my block. And that's because I spent so much time <laughs> in my front yard gardening. And then when people walk or drive by, I just raise my head and wave and then eventually they stop and a little conversation happens yeah and now three people on my street uh wear avant gardener clothing and like consider themselves avant gardeners i was actually uh on my way to work today and this one lovely lady in her in her 70s read our latest newsletter and she's like i've been meaning to respond to the email but I'm going to grow some herbs for Occupy Medical. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Right on. On. And so like, it's just lovely that also yeah. like we make it very accessible for the elders to the young, uh, the all kids. the generations yeah. in between. Mm-hmm. We try to bring them in and we've really been most successful when we put relationships first and all mm-hmm. else second. Like mm-hmm. we had a kind of uh, a period of stubbing our toes on, on, obstacles and (laughs) organizational obstacles for a few years but it's really when we had lost focus of like let's put the friendship building first and we were like let's put the projects first let's put the we're an organization that's transforming the city first and what happened is we had a bunch of strangers that didn't trust each other that Mm. didn't want to go to each other's work parties Mm. and it was a very rough period And when we started to put the energy back into, let's make sure that we all really are friends with each other and know each other, we started to get back to the original vibes that we had and the original productivity. So it's kind of funny (laughs) that like by focusing on relationships and not like our projects, we actually are more successful than when we just like say, we're going to do this on this date and this on this date and that on that day. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we really try to be informed by nature. Like I like that idea of biomimicry and, and yes. what do you mean by that? What I mean is like all the plants out in your yard are connected and some, <laughs> some are. don't really like each other. They're going to not do right. well near <laughs> each other, but they're all connected. 
and they have to interact with each other. And so we, you know, because I'm a poet and because we're (laughs) avant gardeners, we have that kind of artistic flair to it. We feel like using that as a metaphor for using nature as a metaphor to guide how we act in our human interactions. So the biomimicry is people paying attention to nature and what's happening in the project that you're involved in your area and then seeing similarities or learning out from the allegories there. Yeah, it's purely not scientific. Um, So what I mean is like... I can speak something other than science. I'll have you know. You're so good at it. You're so good at it. There's that. I took your herbal class and I was like, wow, she's so good at the science. Um, But what I mean is like, you know, we talked about how some plants go dormant. Mm -hmm. for a season well Mm -hmm. you know sometimes volunteers drop off for a period you know they get a new job they get sick uh i have a baby or yeah i have a baby i fell out of a tree picking some uh grapes two years ago i broke my arm in four places wait you were in a tree picking grapes because my grapes uh, oh, yeah. attacked the walnut tree and climbed up the oh, walnut tree. Okay. And so I was in the walnut tree trying to get it's the high, high grapes when I had enough grapes on the ground. Yes. Uh-huh. And yes. uh, I stepped on my ladder. And it was like this 40-year-old ladder that I found, <laughs> and it just collapsed. I broke my arm in four places. Oh, I took gosh. a few months off. I couldn't guard it. No, you know? I, remember, I remember you walking around. It's problematic. <laughs> so, you know, we could, we could be like, you're just in a dormant period, just like yeah. the yeah. plants, and that's okay. Right. So, you know, it's it's purely just like metaphorical. Respect yeah. the ladder play. <laughs> yeah. oh, for There's Christmas, my father mimicry. got me a, a nice orchard ladder. Oh, nice. Oh, three-legged ones, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I when I think of the allegory, I think of it as being it takes all kinds. I mean, you've got your tree, like your walnut tree, but then you have understory also, and you need the ferns just as much as you need the trees. Mm-hmm. You need all of the, the different plants that are there. And I was just reading, I was just reading about blackberry and raspberry because that's the herb of the month that I was working on at the time. And in reading about it, I realized the reason that blackberry is so important in our region and why it keeps growing rampantly, despite the fact that everybody hates it, is that we have an incredibly damp region. And when you have really damp conditions, the minerals want to just drain right away. And blackberry is here to hang on to that and be a slightly astringent. And that's how it is in our bodies, but it's also how it is on the land. And oftentimes herbs work on the land or in the land, plants live in the land the same way that they will heal our bodies. Yeah. So to me, that's part of the allegory is recognizing there's medicine in all of it. Even the detested Himalayan blackberry, which is very aggressive. It's also very aggressively trying to fix problems and some of the problems come because we've built so many things and we've changed the landscape but we need all of them right yeah and thank you so much for mentioning that because like i was actually killing some blackberry growing along my fence uh like last week yeah. i was like damn blackberry really likes to grow on the fence i was like how frustrating Yes. But if you think about it, that sense, it's like keeping my minerals in my yard yes. for me. It is. And the areas where you pull it up, as long as you haven't poisoned it, use the root. Take the root and bring it in, chop it up and dry it out. And then whenever there's diarrhea in the family, mm-hmm. like flu or, you know, if you know somebody who has irritable bowel syndrome or any right. things where you've got to really like anything crones, you need any of those stringent for it's, yeah mm-hmm. and black throats yeah because they're they're full of crud not when they're dry but you know right. how you when get phlegm too much mucus when it's too really much good mucus. at pulling the phlegm out wow. yeah and blackberry is mm-hmm. a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more for like the intestinal tract area yep. raspberries dry first yeah mm-hmm. raspberry is a little bit less aggressive but either way they're both really really good medicine and since you're ripping them out anyway, because they're growing in a spot you don't want them, mm-hmm. you know, you can use them. Well, no. <laughs> use the roots of the blackberry and the raspberry? Yeah, uh, the raspberry, I haven't worked with the roots on raspberry, I've but with blackberries, yeah, yeah, I've just worked with the leaves. And mostly blackberry, I use the leaves as well. But if you're ripping it out, the roots are coming out mm-hmm. and the roots are good. They're okay. a Native American use for yeah. it. One of the things I learned from working with blackberry is... It's a good reminder because it's a it's a cultural orphan. Mm-hmm. A Luther Burbank brought it in. Noticed that we had three different types of you know, at the time 
he noticed three different types of blackberry growing that were native. And he said, well, I bet this other blackberry would do really well here because it's much, much larger. It's a very healthy grower, has huge blackberries. People would love it. And then it was kind of abandoned. So it just went all over and is taking over acreage in many of these towns that really need access to more farmland or wildlands. So for me, that's the reminder of you bring something in, you continue to keep ownership of that. If you're if you're bringing a child into the world, your job is to continue to be a good parent to that. If you're bringing a, a, a dog or a pet or a new, a new plant, you take ownership, you take responsibility, you follow it through, or it's going to be a, a lot of people's nightmares. And that is not fair. So it hurts the land, it hurts the environment, it hurts the community. The people that can least afford to take care of it are the ones that end up having to dig it up just so they can have a little piece of this paradise that we are living on. Well, that's my version of being deep. I like that. That's, <laughs> that's deep. all I that's got. Deep. That's all I got. I like it. I like it. <laughs> huh. Are there other plants that you, other than your kale, kale and gotta and, love the kale? You were talking about <clears throat> lavender. Yeah. Yeah. Lavender. So why would you choose lavender? Well, I don't know if that's a. I was telling you about my own yeah. <laughs> garden, but uh, the reason I'm choosing lavender is I'm just uh, putting it along the path to my front door mm-hmm. uh, with other aromatics. Like I bought this uh, Australian mint bush today. Oh, oh, y'all know about the Australian that. mint bush? Yes, this I is bought a one last thing. year. Oh, cool! And I had it. I put it in a pot because I didn't know if it would survive our winters. Right? Did it? It did, and it survived in a pot, which is a little bit harder on the plant when it gets really cold. Yeah. And in my infinite, wonderful green thumb nature, I completely forgot to bring the pot inside (laughs) when it froze. So it managed to survive a freezing overnight when we had that really cold spell. Yeah. It survived that, and then I put it in the garage for the rest of the cold spell. But it did survive at least one good solid freeze. So I think there's great promise there. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. I love that little thing. Yeah, so I'm putting the lavender as well as the mint along my path to my front door just for aesthetic reasons to just have a pleasant little nice. vibe as you're walking in. And then also lavender is really a good pollinator. Mm-hmm. It's the the little flowers are good for depression, yeah. mm-hmm. taste good in tea. So yeah, we, a lot of good things. We use it at Occupy Medical and people come in and they're stressed out and they'll yeah. just put dried lavender in little sachets or whatever for folks. It's a nice light thing for people that living on the streets because a lot of the population we serve are unhoused and they'll start getting stressed out because life is horrible if you don't have walls around you. Yeah. And the, the women in particular seem to really mm-hmm. like this because they'll, they'll put the little sachet up to their nose and like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We also have been using it for people that are trying to come off of, of alcohol. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got alcoholism and that lavender helps with dealing with the DT, which can mm-hmm. kill. So yeah. at least until they can get to detox. It's a wonderful, wonderful plant. So you grow some of that and y'all can throw some of the dried our way. We would be happy to use it. Yeah, I don't think Patty asked for lavender, but I, I will put it to our list. Um, I definitely love lavender. Mm-hmm. Throw a little bit in my green tea. And, oh, and yeah. it's like I get the, the caffeine boost from the tea, but it's mm-hmm, also yeah. like a little bit mood elevating from the lavender. Gentle. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Lavender is a good one to plant near your door in part because it helps deter mice. So oh. it's a good... It's a good anti-mouse. Yeah. Of course, sure. Yeah, it's a good all anti-mouse. That's probably, I've got a Spanish lavender that, again, another plant that managed to survive my wonderful gardening <laughs> skills. And it's grown. It's like this big floppy plant right by the front door. But it's there in part because I'm like, okay, we have to keep the mice out. Because mm-hmm. I've had, until we bought our house, we had mice problems, like yeah. a lot of mouse problems. And then the chickens moved in, which you helped me move. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so they moved in and we bought the house and from our landlord and the mice have mostly vanished, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's the lavender. I'm not sure if it's owning the house. It could be the chickens. Yep. Chickens I eat, eat I mice. Don't, I don't yep. really care for to figure out. I'm like, I don't care who's doing it, but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, so, yeah. five more lavender then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's the diversity <clears throat> thing as well, bringing mm-hmm. a whole bunch of different techniques for dealing with a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the smart way of doing it. So what are your work parties like? I, I'd like to think they're fun. Okay. <laughs> so, but do you just put the call out, you know, hear ye, hear ye, bring your shovel. 
Yeah, yeah. So we kind of have work parties that happen on two layers at this point of our evolution. And so we do a monthly meeting each month, which is just a potluck. And it's more about the friends than the uh, get stuff done. And we have kind of little clusters that focus on getting stuff done on different projects, depending on what project people want to work on. Uh, But the monthly gatherings are just about bringing everybody from our network together that that is available and wants to come at that time. And then, you know, like maybe I'm friends with you or you inspire me to come anyways. I just come for an afternoon at your house and and do a work party Mm -hmm. and help you garden. We have a lot of that. We're really encouraging people to garden with their neighbors. So like I try to mainly organize uh, with people in Lower River Rogues. That's where I live. We have somebody that's very active in Friendly Street and they try to organize around there. We have somebody in, in the South Hills that does stuff over there. And so we have that layer. And then we have more formal ones where we try to get the whole body moving. So there's two that I'm super excited about right now. Uh, that I'd love to spend a couple minutes talking about. By all means. So one is uh, the Edgewood Community Pool. Hmm. And this is in the South Hills. And we are trying to get a community garden built at this community pool. Actually, we're building it. And they have, the board of directors has just given us money. And I'm like, yeah, that's All really right. cool. But, oh, my God, we really got to make sure. Now you got to really. But we're, like, working with um, some veterans. There are Latino and Latino activists. And it really inspires me because, like, the, the main kind of glue of that scene is this guy. It reminds me a lot of me a few years ago where he's like, I threw all these protests. And now I just want to do something more meaningful and oh. deep and long lasting. Yeah. And so a mutual nice. friend linked him up with me. And so it's like, yeah, I'll help you get this garden going. Nice. And it's at the Edgewood community pool though. And so in the summer, we're going to have pool parties with the, nice. the thing. Wow. And the guy that's on the board of directors that brought me into this project is the guy that runs Pedal Power Music. So I'm really hoping to get some like open mics going with that or some like performers and, uh, and pedal power, say it again, pedal Pedal power power music. So electric bicycles that will power our sound stage so that we can just have complete green energy powering our work parties. Well, you can do it anywhere then too. Yeah. No wires needed. But, but this guy isn't, he, the guy that runs pedal power music isn't formally, um, uh, of avant gardener, but he's a member of the board of directors for the Edgewood pool and he likes us. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the goal then will be like having, people listening to music, maybe dipping in the pool when it's warm enough. Right now we're all cold and we move leaves or compost, but eventually it'll be pretty glorious. (laughs) (laughs) But so that's like one project that we're really excited about. Another one I'm really excited about is the Glenwood Community Garden Project. And that's started by some folk that live in Glenwood and they see all the changes that are happening at the Glenwood revitalization project. And there's always talk about making Glenwood sustainable. And to my knowledge, based on what I've been told, there are no community gardens in Glenwood. And so they are developing this alley um, behind a business off of 14th. If you go on Facebook, there's the actual address <laughs> and they're just creating a garden. So we're going to have a big uh, work party on the 31st mm-hmm. of this month. For example, it's one of the Avant Gardeners birthdays. Nice. So we're turning their birthday into a garden work party. Nice. Oh, fun. And we're going to have a potluck. And he's uh, he's also really excited about like showing us his human manure composting situation oh, set up. Oh, great. You should have a show Which about that sometime. Which will be at the community garden, Good. I will say. But... Maybe. Nice. Uh, I, I think that we should also mention real quick that Glenwood is a, cla- a lower income part of Eugene that's had some struggles in the past and has really been revitalizing now. More people are coming in and, and I think because of the block party that they have People are connecting a little bit more. And so you're talking about taking one of those alleys and just turning it into a garden. Yeah. And that's some of the people's uh, interest that live in this neighborhood. So they've reached out to us and I've checked in with the city council of Springfield. They, they don't uh, have any 
plans for this alley. And I, I basically asked him, do you want to set all the plans in place first and then build the garden or build the garden and then ask for permission later, <laughs> which sometimes kind of works in a, a yeah. little bit better because yeah. then they're like, well, you already built this really cool garden. And yeah. they were like, well, let's build the garden first and, and fully ask later. But uh-huh. I did check in with the city council. Just to make sure. Just to make sure smart, because actually. my first garden that we built on Paradise Path back in you, uh, back in Moscow was a college student right after college that my landlord built. It was this beautiful garden. We had the whole trailer park involved and we built it for three years, putting all this beautiful. love and energy. And then the city was like, we're putting an apartment complex there. Oh, and like, it was heartbreaking. That is so heartbreaking. like, I told him about that. Like we, I'll help you, we'll help you build this. Right. But you got to know that if you don't ask for formal permission, this is a possible end game result. I forgot um, Springfield just incorporated Glenwood yeah, into yeah. their city because yeah. it was also kind of a no man's land unincorporated by either. It seemed like neither city was really taking ownership for it. So it just became an alley area. Yeah, it was a them. strange little in-between spot. Yeah, and it is really yeah. starting to evolve. Yeah. So, wow, I'm really glad That's you're great. taking that on. Yeah, and uh, speaking about the Glenwood, because I forgot this fact about the People's Guardian Edgewood Community Pool, is it's very similar in that, like, we're working with Latinos, we're working with veterans, traditionally marginalized populations. Mm-hmm, sure. And the food is getting distributed via Burrito Brigade. Oh, so yes. it's, like, really trying to help the the people that need the help and we're building it in a neighborhood where these people have extra money mm-hmm. and resources. So, so that's great. Well, Burrito nice. Brigade, we should explain that. that real quick. And I know we're going to have to um, end this little podcast here. It's wonderful to hear all these things. This would just go on and on. But Burrito Brigade is started by a group of volunteers that just wanted to bring healthy vegan food to people for free. So on at least at the beginning on Saturdays, they would build all of these uh, vegan burritos and then walk around sharing them with people. So it was hot food for folks. And that's, nice. that's just what they did. There's no charge and they're still doing that many years later. So now that's a, it's a nonprofit. So that's great to know that you're working with that group of people. That's cool. Yeah. So wow. we'll have links on our page to many of these projects. Mm-hmm. How else, how can people find you? Uh, www.plato.com. Um, and that's spelled P L A I D O. No. Okay. How P L A E D O. P is in Papa. L is in Lima. L is in Alpha. E is in F- Echo. D is in Delta. O is in October. <laughs> <laughs> Feel like I'm on a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm there. I have some videos on YouTube, uh, I'm on Spotify, and SoundCloud, and the streets of Eugene. All right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for thank being with us. That was a pleasure. Yeah, that was fun. And don't forget, everybody, put, put an herb, herb on, on it. it. <laughs> the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA. They're not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.